booking a bed. <laughs> to a book and a bev we are here with georgia briny claire and ellie and today we are looking at the seven husbands of evelyn hugo written by taylor jenkins reed what are we drinking tonight ladies i feel like i remember a comment about rosé and like maybe we should have drunk something stronger like i don't know so i tried Mm. to do like a rosé spritz moment so i have a rosé moscato spritz and I'm having it over ice in a glass to make more dishes. <laughs> that pinky up. <laughs> yeah, she's popped the pinky. <laughs> well, I am, um, as no surprise to most of the nights we do, I am drinking gin. <laughs> <laughs> I've mixed it with some pineapple juice and a little bit of solo, and it's actually surprisingly good. Yum. Like it's Boys. actually... I am drinking champagne because I feel like it's very of the vibe with this book. It's also my favourite drink and why not? Some champagne. Champagne. Some champagne. This is the pregante thing all over. It really is. Pregante. (laughs) Yes. Well, I, this book, it was beautiful and it hurt my insides. So this is what I'm drinking tonight. <laughs> oh, God, that's a whole fucking bottle of Canadian Straight Club. from the bottle. Oh, dear. Yeah. I would like to do a shout out to a friend of mine, Catherine, who reached out on Instagram literally three hours ago to say, oh, I've just bought this because I thought of you and has literally bought The Seven Husbands of Evelyn, U- yeah, Evelyn Hugo on the night we're recording the episode. Cosmic energy, I will accept it. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Just you. Look, I was actually, I think you guys might have made me less opposed to like non fantasy fiction. I was like, okay, this is cool. Are we I, changing you? I was going to say, you're changing Maybe, you. maybe. But I, I honestly thought maybe she's going to kill all seven husbands. Like maybe it's going to be like a murder <laughs> mystery. Why is everyone a murderer? It's just how like Brian Brian comes out with his <laughs> In ugly love, <laughs> like Miles killed Rachel. Rachel was in a basement, and now Evelyn's killing all seven of her husbands. She's I was like, okay, so we're writing this woman's yeah, like a black widow. That's what I thought. It was not what happened. Yeah. And honestly, this gosh darn book, I again, I'd like had heard the name, but again, went in pretty much blind. And even as I was buying this book, like the woman at Dimmicks was like, this is a fantastic book because it's so good. I've and I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, I believe you. And then I finished this book in one day and I cried. I cried at things I didn't expect to cry at, which I'll, I'll tell you all about. I have the notes. Honestly, the complexity of Evelyn and the perspective of this character was just, like, she's a challenging character. She's someone that doesn't do necessarily what you might consider the right things but mm-hmm. again she's unapologetic she's harsh and unrelenting but she's also forced to compromise on things to survive and to get what she wants and she has to make huge concessions in her life and it's just just so deeply deeply human and I fucking love this book <laughs> this book is called the seven husbands right but really it is about the two C's and I have notes throughout the book that instead of the great loves of Evelyn Hugo's life being the seven husbands, which like, you know, from the name, that's what you're thinking about. It's about, but she's always choosing between her two C's, which I think are actually her great loves. And that is Korea and Celia. 
And I definitely thought you were going to say cock. <laughs> cunt and cock. Had a cunt in my head. <laughs> I was like, cock! cock it's and the fear. bisexual journey, cunt and cock. Oh, my feelings towards this book are very strong and I couldn't recommend it high enough, in all honesty. Um, and I'm so grateful that we actually read it. When I first somewhat heard what the book was about, I was kind of like, oh, it's probably just going to be like another, you know, a writer getting reviews and stuff like that on like a, a celebrity's life and the romance of Hollywood and all that. Um, but I was very happily mistaken. And obviously there are seven husbands in this book and that's kind of the, like, obviously the point of it, but like I feel like it was seven lives mixed into one and there was so much that happened and each step in Evelyn's life drew me in that much more. And don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed every romance that we've experienced in the books that we have read since starting this, but this one hit home and I was living for it. I also devoured this book. I was a little hesitant at first because I've actually read another book of Taylor Jenkins Reid, um, Daisy Jones and the Six. So that was one of our other bestsellers. And I didn't like the sticker it. on the front of the book. Yeah. Which you yeah. can't take off. Oh, I hate that. Hate that shit. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I didn't love Daisy and the Six. So I was a little hesitant that, oh, shit, I hope this one actually hooks me in. And, oh, it did. I just felt madly in love with Evelyn's friendship with Harry in the book as well, mm -hmm. who also in my mind looks like Henry Cavill. Yeah. Um, me too, me too. It's basically like spot the Henry Cavill. You know, yeah, Henry. <laughs> She's like the reverse Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Like she is every character that she shouldn't be and he, we want him to be every character, Yeah, even not. if he shouldn't mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. Look, this book, let me just, I went in totally blind as per Bryony, like, like absolutely just had no idea and I wanted to do it that way because I had heard such great things. I really wanted to have a really raw like my own total opinion on what I was reading. It honestly, it confirmed my belief that fiction will always be better than nonfiction. Yes. It would have been absolutely impossible to find a biography that could paint the story of a woman's life like this book did. Like it was mm -hmm. just, it was so good. And now because of this book, historical fiction has just skyrocketed to one of my favorite genres. Cause I'm like that, I loved it. I loved it. And like, don't even get me started on the themes throughout the book. Like it was just, it, it was complex. It was hard to read, but it was harder to put down. And I definitely finished it at 2am and then cried myself to sleep. So thank you very much. <laughs> Jumping on in, we meet Monique, who is a journalist and she is writing about Evelyn's life as Evelyn's telling her. So really the book is from Monique's point of view, kind of. She's, mm. she's the first person you meet. And I loved that immediately from the first page, we are told that she is a biracial woman and we are highlighted that, like, that in big, bold writing essentially and about her experience with that. And again, we are shown the importance of visibility and seeing people that are like you in positions of power because she's looking at her boss Frankie and she's thinking as a biracial woman myself Frankie makes me feel more sure that I can one day run things too and I remember mm -hmm. reading that first page and I was like oh 
right, okay, cool, just rip my heart out. It's so beautiful and wholesome and I love it and it's just great. I love the dialogue between Monique and her boss Frankie as well. So during this scene, there's this moment where Monique realises she needs to like exude the confidence of a mediocre white man um, so she can convince Frankie that she's capable of doing this job by interviewing Evelyn and getting the story. So the whole interaction from that point on was Monique asserting herself and then immediately feeling like she has to apologise. And I'm like, if that doesn't just sum up my professional life of being like, hi, I need this done. Sorry. Sorry. Smiley (laughs) face. As Monique is doing research for before she gets to meet Evelyn, because for some reason this Hollywood actress has requested this little lowly reporter to talk to her and she's like oh why and so she's doing all this research because you know it's like a household I feel like that would be if Angelina Jolie was like Branny and I want you specifically to write about my life and I'd be like well I know of Angelina Jolie but I don't really know like Angelina Jolie (laughs) so she's like watching all of the movies all of the things looking at all these photos getting to know her and so we hear some phrases of like big movies she's been in that we then find out more about throughout the book and we have this moment where she's looking at this photo of Evelyn at like the Oscars or something and these two men are staring at her and staring at like the thigh slit on her dress as her legs coming out the gap and she's got this mental commentary which I I really loved it was Evelyn always leaves you hoping just that you'll get just a little bit more and she always denies you I was like oh Oh, I'm intrigued. And then throughout the book, there are segments of news articles about Evelyn's life that sort of break up the chapters. Um, So to start with, we have this news article about Monique getting the story on Evelyn. And there's a comment section, which is like every comment section that's ever existed, ever. Um, So there's lots of Karens with their opinions on everything about there being too much political crap, not enough political crap. They're focusing on the wrong things. And she's too skinny, not for me. Like, okay, yucky pigs three. No one asked for your opinion. You ask hat. Yes, find yucky pigs three. Yucky pigs three. And just fuck it. We don't want him. You can take him. The first time Monique meets Evelyn, it's in like her gorgeous apartment. You know, it's very aesthetically pleasing. We have this moment where Evelyn basically bamboozles Monique and goes, oh, you're not here to write an article about my like dress auction. No, I want you to write the story of my goddamn life. And Monique's like, oh, God. (laughs) Pressure. Drops her her coffee, basically. But there's this moment where Evelyn helps her carry stuff to like a room. And there's this quote that charm that inspires devotion. And I just love that. Imagine that you've gone to meet some hyped up person and they're just like, let me help you carry your stuff. Yeah. Just loved it. But Evelyn is basically being like, do a Georgia and grab life by the dick and ride it into the sunset. And basically write the book. Don't be worried about your, what your work wants, do it. And she gives us some very good life lessons, which is, when you're given an opportunity to change your life, be ready to do whatever it takes to make it happen. The world doesn't give things, you take things. If you learn one thing from me, it should probably be that. I mean, I'm going to learn a lot more from you, Evelyn, but that's a pretty good one. Franny, I think we have a thing because you've stolen every quote that I highlighted in this thing that I'm just like, we need to talk about this. And you've said like everyone. We're on sync. <laughs> <laughs> So the question that Monique 
ask Evelyn because this is the question that she thinks that most people will want to know, that she wants to know. And that question is, who is your greatest love, Evelyn? And we've all we find out she doesn't she doesn't tell us, but we just find out that it's not Harry. That's all we find out, which broke my fucking heart because yeah. also, we obviously figure out that Harry is like the the husband that she had a child with. So you would presume that would be her greatest I love. Just... So I was like, oh, well then who is it? One of the other sleaze bags? What the fuck? So mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. Interesting. But then there's, there's just me sitting there being like, maybe, maybe Harry's the one she didn't kill. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And then we just smack bang pow right into our first husband, Ernie Diaz. And it, the, the, the chapter is poor Ernie Diaz. Oh, yes, poor Ernie. Well, we start off with him in Evelyn's childhood. So she describes her relationship with her mother and she sounds really lovely. I really liked the sound of her mum. So she's making like the best of a shitty situation basically and she's a dreamer and they have all these cute beautiful moments together but she ends up dying when Evelyn's only 11 and that leaves her by herself with her dad who's abusive and there's a few comments in this chapter where she's saying that her dad looks at her and the way she's developing the way a father shouldn't be looking at their daughter. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, more incest vibes. Please, oh, no. We don't want incest. We've already told you this. We don't want incest. No. We're not here for it. This poor girl is just developing early and has, like, is getting a body that men are sexualizing, and she's a goddamn child. Sick. Like in this part as well, we also figure out, well, we there's this quote that Evelyn says, which is, to be perfectly blunt, I started to figure my own body out quickly. I didn't need boys in order to feel good. And that realization gave me great power. And I have never related to something so much more in my life because hell yes, all I need in life is a block of chocolate, a bottle of red wine and my dildos and vibrators. We have these moments where, like, uh, obviously she's young and she unfortunately discovers that the world is fucking cruel, especially Mm -hmm. to young girls. And the 16-year-old boy at, like, her local, like, corner shop basically forces a kiss on her and is trying to force more on her. And she has this moment where she goes, I can either be the victim or I can get something from this because it's going to happen. I can't stop this. So I'm going to get candy from it. And... I mean, my heart breaks for her, but there's also this moment that even shattered me a little bit more and it's where the, the quote where of he'd convinced himself that his wanting me was my fault and I believed him. Oh, that's rough. That's so rough. Mm-hmm. Because what was he saying? Like, oh, the things you do to me or something like that. And yeah. she was like, I'm just existing. Yeah. Your heart just breaks for her. But that's how she sort of works out that, all right, clearly I've got a commodity going for me, which is my body, and I can use that to get the things that I want out of life. So at 14, Evelyn hears that there's a guy in her apartment that is planning to move to LA, and that's her dream. She wants to get out. She wants to 
go to Hollywood and become an actress. So she knocks on his door, pretends to be 16, and he basically just falls in love with her as soon as he sees her and they get married. And her dad signs off on it as well. He's like, mm-hmm. mm. dad doesn't give a single shit about her. Yeah, not my problem anymore. Basically, we get this quote, right? And that's what I traded my virginity for, a ride to Hollywood. I just keep picturing like how different it was. This is probably so accurate to how some people would have to live and navigate the world and it's like it's so different to what we go through today and like it just makes our problems seem so you know yeah definitely there's this other quote that so when they get to hollywood she's basically like trying to make herself be small because that's what she's had because she's been in a house with an abusive father so you know flying under the radar even though she looks the way that she does she's kind of like I need to get somewhere I need to I want to be an actress I want to do these things but to Ernie I need to be blah so the quote is I wanted him to see me as harmless and domestic I thought I'd get further if I didn't threaten him it grated on my nerves to have to ask him how I could spend my own money but I didn't see any other choice (sighs) oh yeah and that's followed up with then she has this moment where she says I had told him I was someone else and then I started getting angry that he couldn't see who I really was and there's just all these quotes in this first book like as she's figuring herself out and getting set up that just break my heart like this girl is so young she's a girl and she's doing this shit yeah well she's 14 yeah 14 it's just insane yeah And then Evelyn decides when once they've gotten to Hollywood that her way of getting into the movie world is she will find a cafe and sit there and wait for someone famous to come and find her. I love love her confidence. She's like, I am this fucking hot. They're just going to look at me (laughs) and be like, yes, I'll be discovered. And they're not wrong. (laughs) no the bartender ends up offering her a job of waiting tables she's not great at it but she does it (laughs) um and then we finally get to meet harry cameron he's he's a young producer and always says when he sees her jesus (laughs) which like feel that like that's how you want the reaction to be i love harry so much me too oh he's beautiful um and then two weeks later she has a deal with sunset studios hell yeah so she gets to sunset studios and she's trying to get roles because she's being like chucked and stuff but she actually wants like chonky pieces mm-hmm. and so she's trying to figure out who she needs to impress and she discovers the person that she needs to impress his name is ari sullivan and he is a 48 year old man that likes little girls. Mm. Then she lets him eat her out on his desk and pretends to orgasm. And then that's her way in. Yeah. She goes, I couldn't tell you whether it was any good, but I was happy to be there because I knew it was going to get me what I wanted. And Ooh. that's been her mentality from the get-go mm-hmm. as the child. I know what I'm good at or I know what 
I need to use in order to get the things that I want and I'm prepared to do it. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. But more of the story, it's apparently incentive enough for her to get a film. So they're designing who she is as the actress, the mm-hmm. character that she will be for the rest of her life to sell her. A big part of that is that they want to perceive her as white. She will not be successful in the film industry as a person of colour. So they quickly do everything possible to shred her of every piece of her human identity. So they dye her hair blonde. They, like, pluck her widow's peak. They fix her teeth. They give her dialect lessons so they can eradicate, like, the Spanish New York accent that she's developed. speak Spanish. Yep. So they just completely changed her identity. They give her a whole backstory as well. So they give her this questionnaire that she has to fill out, which basically describes what her upbringing was. And they go, "Mm, okay, so none of that. Let's just say you grew up in like white suburbia and you had a St. Bernard instead. That that tracks. And they do all these photos of her like on the street with the St. Bernard, like trying to be like, oh, look, this is her. Like... Yeah, so bizarre. While they're styling her, she figures out the angle that is her selling point, and it's that she was designed to be two opposing things, a complicated image that was hard to dissect but easy to grab onto. I was supposed to be both naive and erotic. It was as if I was too wholesome to understand the unwholesome thoughts you were having about me. And that's just... These moments really made me love Evelyn, though, as uncomfortable as they were. As -hmm. much as it was awful because she's young and a victim of her circumstances, she's also absolutely making the most out of it. And like we've said, she is grabbing her situation. She knows exactly what she needs to do for what she wants. She's got her goals and she is aware at 14, she's aware of the world she lives in, in a way that I don't know how, however many other 14-year-old protagonist main characters would be. She's real about it and she's not playing a victim, though she has every right to. Yeah. As much as it should have never happened, I feel like these parts of her stories are a testament and also a fucking pedestal dedication, like we've said, to the generations of women that lived this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like have had to sacrifice their bodies and themselves for their dreams and fought tooth and nail to get what they wanted from the world so just and who look and who look like the villains at the end of the day but really aren't the villains that's like yeah. one of the main things yeah they, like, they look like the whores they look like this the guys look like these macho beautiful like awesome men who you know mm. and the women yeah but like yeah <clears throat> and that's when she changes her surname as well from diaz to hugo sounds french and like the whole backstory to that was that she decided yeah i'll divorce ernie I'll do it because the production company were like, you need to be seen on dates with these other famous actors um, so you can get more press, basically. So she goes home and asks for a divorce that night. And that just makes me realise how many Hollywood relationships are orchestrated purely for the press moment. Like, obviously, Kim Kardashian and Pete. Davidson. Davidson. Um, But then I'm like, oh, my God, what if it's one of my favourite celebrity couples of all time like Clavley and Ryan don't Reynolds. even fucking no. touch them <laughs> don't even touch them <laughs> I will not if that ever comes out I will actually not believe in love I will be no. dead another couple that if they are a media stunt 
Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. <gasps> I will no. go down. If they are ever fake, I am actually going to fight. I swear to God, I will throw the fuck down. I will. I'm I not feel a- like the ones that have children probably aren't. It's a long, like, it's a long con in that that's case. That's a like, big commitment. Yeah. There's a lot of things happening for that to Harry occur. Cameron and Evelyn. I know. What I if one of them's really like a low-key, like what if they've got, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so then she's divorced Ernie and we're on to husband number two. Goddamn Don Adler. One of the people that they set up for Evelyn to go on a date and show off with is Brick Thomas, which... Brick. Brick. That is so (laughs) sexy. You know what I want? A block of stone. Brick. After going out on a show date... He says to Evelyn when he drops her home, going to be a lot of rumours about you and me tomorrow. She's like, yeah, sure is. So like, let me know if you want to make him true. <clears throat> Not Jesus. That. No. Thanks, but no thanks. I'd pass. That's why you didn't get laid. literally fuck a brick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and good night, sir. Good day. <laughs> good day. Um, <laughs> so... The next date she gets put on, I think, is with Don Adler. And so he shows up and he's all smooth and he's like Hollywood royalty and you're like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, I watched, like, the cut of this movie you're about to be and you're going to be great. And it's like, oh, my God, thank you. So they're having this whole moment and you're like, okay, we know it's him. So then they get they get engaged on a red carpet and he's like, you yeah. know, we good press. And you're like, oh, this seems promising. Mm-hmm. But she, she generally, like, she's saying how like she hasn't felt this way about anyone really before like she's actually physically attracted to them she's sexually attracted to him he has like she has faith it's gonna work out and I'm like oh honey um and we have this quote where it's like here's the thing about marrying a guy like that a guy like Don Adler back then you're saying to him this beautiful thing you've been happy to simply appreciate well now it's yours to own and I was like oh no Ah! Not the foreshadowing. No. Di- no. And like throughout this moment, so she's obviously filming her first like proper movie called Father and Daughter, where she's got like a proper big old role. Mm. And she's meeting all these people on the set. So we've got Ruby, um, who she becomes like somewhat friends with, but she pretty much makes it clear that like. Harry's her only friend and she's kind of set that stone like, Harry, I've got you back, bro. Don's my husband. Harry's my friend. Yeah. And there's this quote because she's talking about how like, yeah, she likes Ruby, but in the scheme of things, she says, to be honest, I would have thrown every single one of them in front of a moving train to get apart. And I think they would have done the same to me. And I was like, oh, shit, it's a rough, it's a rough time out there. Gone there, there is no like women support group there. Oh, there ain't. It's just we're all women for themselves. Fuck the feminism all. has left my body at that stage. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, and then we find out beautiful, um, our beautiful Harry, our gorgeous Harry. He does not like vaginas. He likes penises. 
He likes cock. He likes cock. And I was extremely upset, not because I was like, go, Harry, love you for being you, but also. Yeah, I wasn't even laughing. I didn't pick up any of the vibes they were putting down. I mean, I, I guess that's the point, good. though. He's True. got to hide. It's at a time he where does. he's gay, he will be murdered. Killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. literally. That, and and that, he's yeah. obviously figured out a very good long con of how to appear very, very straight and deal with it all. And even when we're getting this, this, I like, we're finding out, oh, I know what he's telling me. He's gay. He's actually not being like, I'm gay. He's being like, yeah, you're not my type. <laughs> And yeah. he's still got to hedge his bets. And he's not, she's basically saying to him, like, you can be open with me. And he's still saying, no, I can't tell you everything. Mm. There's so much shame around it. And my heart is just, meh. And we have the whole, you're my best friend in the whole world, Harry. Oh, I just love them. I'm not I okay. But we know that Harry is one of her husbands. So at this point, I was like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah. I'm like, did he, did she, did she make him buy? Like, is this, is this something that has happened? That's what like, I was thinking. Yeah, I was like, is this, is this what? I was just like, it's going to be a bid. Yeah. Mm. It's going to be a bid. And we were right, but it's fine. <laughs> and we move on to a time I didn't expect to come, but also. Why not throw it in there? A little bit of trauma. <laughs> we love that. Trauma. Um, so. The first sort of argument we see between Evelyn and Dom is a classic, if you don't have my last name, I am less of a man. Oh, <laughs> yuck. And he's basically, I think they're coming back from somewhere. He is basically going, people around the place are asking why and Evelyn, Evelyn hasn't changed her name. It should be Don and Evelyn Adler. They think you wear the pants. Because she does, bitch. <laughs> Most women bitch. do. You know, you could both wear pants if there was space enough when you're taking your fucking head out your ass, but no. But no. Mm. But someone's no. obviously not secure in what they have in their own. Nope. <gasps> Burn, bitch. <laughs> yes, Claire. <laughs> we literally go from wearing the pants to we were married for two months before he started hitting me. And I was like, not again. I hate not again. I haven't recovered yet. And like this is like there's this quote that she says, and it's I had quickly learned that Don was only kind when he was happy. And when he he was only happy when he was winning. I had met him on a winning streak, married him as he was ascending. I was quickly learning that sweet Don was not the only Don. And I am getting fucking triggered. I am getting flashbacks to it ends with us. And I am like, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> I am like, no, 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 no. And there's this moment where they're having an argument and he slaps her across the face. It causes me physical pain to, like, remember this scene. Mm. I don't like it. And like, so basically he is in shock that what he's just done and there's like someone at the door, whether it's like the hair and makeup or like someone knocking on the door to the, the little trailer and the girl comes in and she's like, did you fall? Yes. I said, I did. 
I fell right over onto the counter, jaw caught the worst of it. Literally, it ends with us triggers. Like, like that bell situation and I hate it. And there's also, like, it obviously, it never stops at one. So we learn, like, a man hits you once and apologises and you think it'll never happen again. But then you tell him you're not sure you ever want a family and he hits you once more. You tell yourself it's understandable. That's what he did. And then at one stage he pushes her out of a car. Don't know if you guys just skim like, I was like, I'm sorry, what? And when he comes crawling to you in tears the next morning, you don't actually believe him anymore. But now this is just what you do. The same way you fix the hole in your dress with a safety pin or tape up the crack in a window. No. My whole soul was just like, no. <laughs> my heart. Oh, my God. Hurts. And then, oh, we get a who did this to you trope. Yes. Harry, Harry sees that Evelyn has this giant ass bruise on her face. And he, this is the quote, Evelyn, he said, he put his thumb to my face as if he needed to feel it to know it was real. Harry, don't. I'll kill him. I love a who did this to you trope. I absolutely like. Oh, my gosh. There's My favourite who did this to you trope is definitely in Throne of Glass. There's there's this moment. Yep. There's this bathtub moment. And, oh, my God, I, like, as soon as I read that, I was like, I could not deal. I just can't. I just cannot. And in that moment, I desperately wanted Harry not to be gay. Because <laughs> again, Literally. Henry Cavill vibes. I just. It's for who did this. No one, like, what can you, you can't fight against a who did this to you trope. There's just some part of you that goes, Hoya. Hoya. I've been trying to sneak a Hoya into one of our episodes for so fucking long now, and I just Hoya. went for it. You I'm did so it. sorry. You just did it. in there. He just really oh, yeah. did. I, I almost missed it. I was like, oh, wait, sorry. Someone just thought, <laughs> give me a hoo yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that. And then we get to this bit where Evelyn gets interrupted by her maid getting ready. So she's in a bit of a frazzled state. She's trying to get ready really quickly so no one can see the bruises that she's been trying to cover up. Um, and the maid interrupts her and she turns around to her and snaps her there and tells her to quickly leave. Um, and the maid then decides to go sell her story to the papers. And Evelyn says, why didn't she tell the world that Don Adler was beating his wife? Why instead did she come after me? And we later find out that a story gets released released that states that Evelyn is denying Don of a baby. And Evelyn says, people don't find it very sympathetic or endearing, a woman who puts herself first, nor do people respect a man who can't keep his wife in line. I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it so very much. But that was the time. Like, a woman's purpose was to give a man a child. Yeah. that is what she was there for. And, I mean, I just as well, like, Evelyn being just the, like, unrelenting force of nature that she is, she goes, all right, well, I know how to spin this. We're going to fake a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's in the story that gets leaked afterwards. And, like, she, is, she becomes a master 
at knowing how to manufacture the story to her advantage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For better or worse, she knows how to handle a situation. Mm-hmm. She does. Then we meet, other than Harry, my favourite person in this book is Celia St. James, who Evelyn meets, well, she already kind of knows about her, but Evelyn meets her on, she's been cast as one of her co-stars on Little Women. Evelyn actually tries to get her kicked off to begin with because she will outshine Evelyn, but they later become like best buds. Anyway, so Celia and Evelyn get drunk with a bottle of wine and Celia is complimenting the shit out of Evelyn. And it's giving her butterflies. She doesn't know why. And I was living for this moment so much. I'm sorry, I'm really aggressively like no, go into for this. I'm, I'm loving this so much. Please keep going. <laughs> so Celia's telling Evelyn her real name, which is Celia Jameson. And Evelyn's kind of like, why did you change your name to St. James Jameson? It's great. And she goes, because it sounds like a girl who might live next door to you. And I've always wanted to be the kind of girl you feel lucky just to lay your eyes on like you. And I was like, oh, oh. hot in here. She's trying to seduce me. Seduction. And then like, so they're they're getting like rip roaring drunk. Love that energy. They have this moment where like they, they spill the wine and Celia's changing her shirt and Evelyn's very distracted by the freckles on her body. And then, you know, they're like, oh, banter, banter, banter. And Celia goes, I hope you know by now that all of your secrets are safe with me. And Evelyn has this internal monologue that just rips my heart and soul from my body. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay. This, this quote fucking affects me. People think intimacy is about sex. But intimacy is about truth. When you realise you can tell someone your truth, when you can show yourself to them, when you stand in front of them bare and their response is, you're safe with me, that's intimacy. And by those standards, that moment with Celia was the most intimate one I'd ever had with anyone. Ah! Literally the microphone is cut out for Georgia because (laughs) the frequency of her screaming is so... (laughs) It's literally just, it's like cancelled. Can't do it. I'm so stressed. Uh, it this like Claire, like Claire's over here sweating. This scene affected me so strongly. I was just like, it it was captivating. It literally just stole like, oh, everything. It was so oh. beautiful. Can I get can I get sappy for a second? Yes. I was re- well. I was listening to this while driving to work. Actually, this this was in my ears. I was hearing it, and I was just sitting there, just like, "Oh my god, it's the podcast girls." <gasps> I'm crying. That's what came to my head. I was like, "Oh my god!" And I legit almost started crying. Wow, bro. Take a drink. Oh, oh, god. Yeah, legit driving the car, she's like <laughs> Oh my god. What the fuck? I'll pull it together, man. Oh, but so after after this beautiful moment with Celia, we love Celia now. Little women is coming out, all right? And 
John says this little comment, right? And it, it, and I was like, huh, fuck off. Because Celia comes to the pre- premiere with this gentleman called John. They double date, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's John, John, John. And um, John says this comment at the premiere and he's like, let's see our little women in little women, shall we? Don <clears throat> I nearly smacked him across the face. He was owed a smack or two or 15 and I was like yes he fucking is because if someone mm-hmm. said that fucking comment to me I'd be like who the fuck are you calling a little woman damn straight mm-hmm. and like even as they're at this stage like Evelyn's not really really acknowledging that there's something between her and Celia there's more she's just like oh I feel so like and I want to I think about her all the time and I want to hang out with her all the time and we're hanging out all the time and you know it's just mm, stare at her freckles inside my body it's fine and they're like they're walking into the premiere and like she'll pull her back and they like pose photos together and then while they're watching the movie she reaches across the men to hold Celia's hand in like the emotional scene and she has that moment where she's like Don will find a reason to hit me but this is what it's actually going to be for yes mm. and you're like oh yeah I fucking love that quote so it's Don rolled his eyes at me and I thought he's going to find an excuse to hit me later but it will be for this yeah. That man. So after Little Women comes out and there's all of that, they're basically she's trying to act like nothing's happening still, but she is fully in her brain going, Oh shit. I am there's there's something here for me. But she does like she did love Don, so she's conflicted. She doesn't know. And then this is where there's this moment where in real time, Evelyn's getting very emotional telling Monique her story. And this is where we find out that, you know, I, I get really emotional <laughs> with this exit. So Monique asks her, Evelyn, who is your great love? You can tell me. Evelyn looks out the window, breathes in deeply, and then says, Celia St. James. And this and is when you're like, when I tell you that I fucking died. <laughs> I literally, like, oh, I was like, nope, no, 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 no. I had my Kindle and I was like, nope, no. <laughs> I love it. I need it. Yes. <laughs> There's this moment where Monique in the current time is trying to be like, so, like, you know, just so we're clear, you're wanting to use this book to come out as gay. And Evelyn has this moment where she's speaking about the fact she is a bisexual woman. And she snaps at Monique when Monique labels her as gay and goes, I'm bisexual. Don't ignore half of me so you can fit me into a, mon- a box, Monique. Don't do that. And this is literally where I started crying. <laughs> I was a blubbering mess. The Snapchats I sent you guys of me crying was I just read this and Evelyn is talking about the fact that she did love Don. There's no frame. If you don't have the framework, you can't know who you are. If it's not out there and you don't see it, you don't know it exists for you. Mm-hmm. And then she discovers that about herself. And I was, I've never felt so seen in a book as I did with this. And I was very much just sobbing on the couch. Um, my like little niece walked in and I was like, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Brownie's having a moment. I am. I think this book is incredible for representation in a number of areas in issues it talks about, but I felt that the way I I wasn't expecting bisexuality in this and it just 
it was really it really affected me I'm so glad you said that because I kept thinking throughout the book that I loved how she was touching on all these things but as I don't fit into any of the things that she's talking about I didn't know if she was just saying it as like a token thing I didn't know if it was an accurate representation of the issue she's trying to discuss so to hear you say that yeah it is and it's a good thing that she's talking about it and the way she's talking about it it just resonates so much more now this whole part of the book I've never read something so true in all honesty because it's like I identify as bisexual and it's you get put into a little bubble of oh you're either this or that still it's still a thing and even though I've technically been out since I was like 18 I will meet new people and they're all like I'll be like oh I'm dating a girl they're all automatically like oh okay you're lesbian and I did that to Claire she did yeah. <laughs> but like it it's was- okay but, but that's not what you identify it's as. It's not what no. you identify as. No, it's like I'm not offended by it in any means necessary. Hmm. But it's also just like, okay, this is still a, you put it in a box, that's what it is. We've opened it up a little bit, but it's still in there. And I think especially there's something that is said where it's like she wants to be seen exactly as she truly is with all the nuance and shades of grey because you want to be, even though you identify as this, you want to be seen purely for everything that's within it. Hmm. I was so happy when I read this part of the book because I was just like, finally, I get a little bit of gay. Yeah. Because, yeah. Bryony, you identify as bisexual too. Yeah, I identify as bisexual as well. Yeah. And I am, I like, I identify as pansexual because I just love people's souls. That's what I like. I love their, just their people's. Oh, well, I'm just the basic white girl who loves dick. <laughs> You're dick. I like dick too. Just like one. <laughs> like one singular. One. Ellie's like heterosexual monogamy. Good for me. And I am the bisexual girl in a heterosexual monogamous relationship. <laughs> Daughter is planned, but she is also in a fully heterosexual monogamous relationship with a child, with a dog, not an actual child, a dog. But <laughs> Ellie's like, where have you been giving this child? <laughs> Where is the child? He is sitting right behind me. He's fine. Bless. China. 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 Go team, go. Look at us. Look at us being so diverse. And like, I mean, Ellie, you kind of said as well, there are a lot of things in this book that obviously it covers a broad range of issues and we are all notably white women. So there are some things that we can only hope are accurate reflections of a biracial experience and for people of colour. But from the bits that we can identify with, this book felt very true. It felt very well done. It had the nuance and it was just... Mm. So we leave that happy moment and um, Don (laughs) cheats on Evelyn because he's an insecure (laughs) (laughs) man-child. So she leaves him and she basically pursues... Celia and he uses the opportunity because not only is he an insecure man child that can't deal with a thriving woman he also makes sure that she can't be a thriving woman and makes sure that she is dropped from the studio she is not getting work because he's just yeah. an absolute dick just an absolute cunt of a person 
so not only does he ruin her reputation by cheating on her and leaving her, he then blackballs her in the industry. So she cannot get a role in Hollywood now. She's been dropped from her production company, but Harry is still there. And there is a quote, me and you, true blue. (laughs) (laughs) It's so beautiful. I love them so much. So they get divorced. That's husband number two, done and dusted. And Evelyn's starting from scratch again. I love, though, this is kind of when I was like, she's getting divorced, but Honestly, she doesn't really care about getting the divorce. She's more concerned about her two C's, her career and her Celia. She has this quote where it's heartbreak is lost, divorce is a piece of paper. And Monique, who is listening to Evelyn tell her story, is in the process of getting divorced and is feeling this in all types of ways. But I loved that. (laughs) I was like, fuck yes. Divorce is a piece of paper. Just like marriage is just a piece of paper, really. It's like... Honestly, I, I wasn't sad about the end of my marriage. I felt like my marriage had failed. So it was done. Yeah. And I was like, I love this. Yeah. Um, Evelyn moves in with Celia and they're doing a will we, won't we, woo-hoo. Um, And then they just basically, you know what? She goes, no, I fucking love you. Let me take your bathrobe off and let's fuck. Love. I was like, <laughs> it's spicy. I love it. Yeah. There was this, this one quote. I was cackling. So like, Celia's gone to an awards night and Evelyn was at home kissing the TV and she being too. I fucking love this. I love this so much. And it just it just made my heart warm because she's at the TV. She's so excited for Celia because Celia has won. She, won. she wins an Oscar? Yeah. Yeah. And so she kisses the TV while she's walking up on stage to accept this award. Evelyn's on her knees kissing the TV and she chips her fucking too. <laughs> And then, like, Celia comes home and she's, like, drunk. And she's like, what you, what's wrong with your tooth? And she's like, I tripped it kissing the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Evelyn's like, oh, she's going to be out having a party all night. I'm just going to roll up in bed. And Celia rocks up drunk. She's like, sub bitch, here I am. And there's this quote where it's like, nothing means anything without, I think it's meant to say without you, but my notes are wrong. Nothing means anything without you. Everything that isn't you is a pile of dog shit. Aww. I loved it. As Evelyn's like, okay, you know what I can do to get my career on track? I'm going to go to Paris. Oh, wait, we no, meet I hate this one. Max Gerard, which when also, like, I'll, I'll talk about it, but when he goes to become a husband, oh. I didn't hate him. But he's this French director and he's like, you are the, you are the Unabomber. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they're shooting this sexy movie. Um, and Evelyn has the idea to make the most iconic film moment, a slow motion shot of her coming out of the water with the screen fading. So just before you see her boobs, it cuts out. So you get that like, oh, my God, we're going to see her. And then it just fades out. Um, and she says, I knew my idea was a good one because I knew how it felt to want to tear a woman's shirt off. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> It's spoiled. Mm-hmm. not wrong. I like it. Because that movie ended up being a big hit. Yes. So we've got Evelyn, Celia, and Harry. They go to a concert. And in this moment, Celia and Evelyn are having such a great time together. They're with Harry, which is her other best friend. She's having such a great time. And 
Evelyn holds Celia's hand and in the moment, I think she turns around or she looks in front of her. I can't tell which, which one, but she locks eyes with this person who's staring at her and then at their hands and then at her again. And Evelyn's like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And basically Evelyn hatches this fucking terrible plan <laughs> because the next day there's this article that comes out which is like are they more than friends oh what is going on and so to get the press off of their backs because Evelyn's like I need to save her career I need to save my career even though she's not saying I need to save my career she's like I need to save Cecilia I need to save Cecilia's career mm-hmm. um she save her two C's yeah, yeah um she basically is, is like I'm going to pretend that I am a groupie I am going to go all full out fangirl here and we're going to go back. I'm going to go, going to take this man to Vegas, going to take him to Vegas. We're going to get hitched and then we're going to get divorced. And then it'll take, it'll take the the heat off us, babe. This is, this is a good plan. And Mm. I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. Did not like it. So yeah, that's the plan. They're all for it. Except Cecilia's not. She's, She's having a hard time with it. She doesn't like the idea of her with Mick. She can't stomach it. But there's also the big risk that if they don't do anything and if they go public with their relationship or even if they don't do anything and more speculation starts, they're at risk of not only losing their careers but being put in jail because that's what homosexuality was back then. Mm. Um and they just can't risk that. So Evelyn says, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to marry this weird rock star just for a night and then I'll get it annulled and it will take the heat off. But Celia thinks that they shouldn't have to hide anymore. Evelyn says, you imagine a world where the two of you can go out to dinner together on a Saturday night and no one thinks twice about it. It makes you want to cry, the simplicity of it, the smallness of it. You've worked so hard for a life so grand and now all you want are the smallest freedoms. And she's willing to do whatever she can in order to get just a, a small piece of that. It really does, like, make you kind of feel like, wow, I take for granted what I have, like, how easy mm. I have it. Because, like, this day and age, really, I could, I like, I've kissed one of my best friends in, like, a total just friendship way out in public and people just do not, they do not, that and eyelid they're like oh well cool and like people back then like really you know it's just mm. and if I they were my dad people, grew up in a time where gay bashing was a hobby yeah Ugh. like he has stories of growing up when that was what people did look it wasn't that long ago it was still happening when I was in high school it was just fucked they have sex on the night of their marriage yes which it was Evelyn's plan because she was like, I've got to get this guy like hooked in, you know, he's got to believe it. He's got to want it so bad. And I'm going to marry me. I can't have sex with you until we're married. I can't. I'm so, I'm so sorry. We can't so that he has to marry her so that he can fuck her. And then when they do fuck, she also just starfishes. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She gives him absolutely nothing. So it's the worst sex he's had. And he has sex without a condom. And so we get to the next section, which we've called Pregante. Pregonate. 
Play on it. And I'm crying for Cecilia. For, so I keep calling her Cecilia. I'm crying for Celia during this time because I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing, Evelyn? What the mm-hmm. fuck are you doing? And obviously she gets back. She tells Celia because, you know, she's got to. And she just doesn't think that, think that it's that big of a deal. She's like, oh, you know, like, I, I'm sorry, you know. And Celia's like, I, yeah. She's like, I loved you so much that I thought you were the meaning of my life, Celia said, crying. I thought that people were put on earth to find other people and I was put here to find you, to find you and touch your skin and smell your breath and hear all your thoughts. But I don't think that's true anymore. She wiped her eyes because I don't want to be meant for someone like you. (sighs) Oh, my God. Oh, you poor, and I just, my heart, it just broke for her because really, like, I don't blame her. Like, that's pretty rough. But, like, I get, like, you see, this is the whole thing. Like, you see Evelyn, like, and what what her thought process was because it's coming from Evelyn's mouth. But you're, like, if I was in that situation, I would be reacting the exact same way. So, 100%. I identified more with Evelyn in this. I was like, what did Celia think was going to happen? Like, it's the, I'm, I'm so used to seeing Evelyn's point of view of this kind of frank real world mentality where Evelyn is used to and aware of how she can use her body to get her goals. And we realised Celia isn't on that same level. Mm-hmm. Celia is very sweet and somewhat naive but also she hasn't had to make the same choice as Evelyn has. No. And so it's just, um, it's a heartbreaking miscommunication that just is so painful. And Celia goes, you're a whore, Evelyn. You let men screw you for fame. And that is why I'm leaving you. (laughs) But this leads into basically, so she goes to Harry and it's like, you know, I've got Harry at least, you know. And she tells Harry everything that's happened and he takes her to like an abortion clinic. And then basically they're having this conversation and he's like, I think you're brilliant and I think you're tough. I think the word whore is something ignorant people throw around when they have nothing else. And I was like, yes, Harry, absolutely, Harry. Put that on a fucking wall and it's a motivational poster. I love it. And then he follows that gem up with, but I like you this way I like you impure and scrappy and formidable I like the Evelyn Hugo who sees the world for what it is and then goes out there and wrestles what she wants out of it so you know put whatever label you want on it just don't change that would be the real tragedy and that's exactly how I feel about Evelyn she is formidable as fuck Mm. she is literally like taking the bull by the horn she's ripping what she wants out of the world and it's just I'm just like, yes, I love it. I'm here for it. And then also on my little friendship train, because, you know, as much as I like stabby stabby in books, every, I swear, every fucking episode, I'm like, the friendship. I love friends. I love the friends. Love this fucking quote. And this bit almost got me as much as when we were all dying about over about intimacy (laughs) is you do not know how fast you have been running, how hard you have been working, how truly exhausted you are until someone stands behind you and says, it's okay, you can fall down now, I'll catch you. So I fell down and Harry caught me. I just... Harry! Harry! She ends up getting an abortion to get rid of the baby she's pregnant with. Yeah. And Harry just takes her to the abortion clinic, 
brings her home, puts her to bed, like is such a beautiful friend. And like, and that's when that quote comes in. And I felt that because it's like, that is something that I imagine like my, my best friend or like my mom doing, you know, just someone who is someone that you was your ride or die. Like you would literally yeah. like, and I just am like, that is, and that's oh, why true blue. I'm so glad that it was framed in the way that it was because too often abortion is framed in like, it was a choice I had to make because of the circumstances I was in. If I had to do it again, I'd do it differently or I feel I was torn up about it. I was distraught. I regret my decision. Yada, yada, yada. Evelyn says, may it make its way to the record books that I never regretted, not for one minute ending that pregnancy. It was the right decision. On that, I never wavered, but I still cried the whole way home. Mm. It's acknowledging what she did was fucking horrible and terrible and not something that she wanted to do and experience, but not something she regretted. And I think that's a very good distinction to have in a book like this. Evelyn is fucking one of my favourite characters. Yeah. Like she's just, to be honest, she's actually a lot of what I wanted Nesta to be. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of the same harshness and formidable self and like that type of, they're the qualities I hope Nesta develops in future books by Sarah J Mass. Oh my gosh! And then we meet who I think looks like the young Brad Pitt. Um, I love this guy. Young Brad Pitt vibe, Mister uh, Rex, clever Rex Nor. There's number four. I am there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually love an arranged marriage. Well, arrangement marriage trope when two people are like we're fully aware of our shit. And that we're going to be using each other, but we both stick to the terms of the agreement because we want what we signed up for. I love that. Mm. Yeah. When it's straightforward, straight arrow, that's what we like. Just easy peasy. No complicated feelings, just straight up, simple using. I'm also there for when they secretly fall in love with each other and can't resist each other. And then it becomes yeah, a true I like romance. Too. I like that too. Yes. Both are fine for me. Yeah. Turns out there's a, there's a spanner in the works. Uh, Rex has been seeing his ex semi-regularly and she is now pregnant and they come up with an amazing idea. Well, Evelyn comes up with the amazing idea that in order to make up for all of this shit that's going on, they're both going to get caught having affairs and it's A-okay, no one's to blame in the breakup of the relationship. I love this. <laughs> like I Evelyn was for it because Harry was involved. <laughs> I love Evelyn's like, I have an idea. It wasn't a flawless idea. Almost no idea is. And I was like, yes, perfect, but I'm I'm signed up. And so they have this whole stage thing. So Harry and Evelyn are going to be seen making out in a car and then Rex and his gal are going to be like, well, look, we're pregnant. <laughs> and they're going to cancel each other out and no one's going to get the bad press because they're both cheated, so it's fine. Exactly. And, I love how Harry goes all out. He's like, I'm putting my hand down your shirt, grabbing a titty while we're here. May as well, may as well. Might not ever really enjoy doing it ever again, so may as well do it with one of my besties. <laughs> Give it a go. And so we cut, obviously we're cutting in between and, and like Evelyn's own recounting. Mm. And Monique is having this internal monologue and we're like, oh, okay, cool. She's listening to Evelyn say all these things and all of a sudden she comes in with this fucking spanner and we're like, where, what? And it says, 
I have mm. no idea that in less than a week, Evelyn Hugo will finish her story and I'll find out what this all has been about. And I will hate her so much that I'll be truly afraid I might kill her. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? I was like, ah, uh, since I when? Since I yeah. when? <laughs> and we're like, what is happening? And there's a couple bits throughout this book where it's just like the last sentence is like, I'm going to hate her, but we don't know why. And it's like, what is happening? What? And even Evelyn says things like when um, Monique will express, like, she'll feel sorry for her or she'll express sympathy. And she's like, no, don't feel sorry for me. You of all people. And we're like, why her of all people? Yeah. <laughs> so then we are on to husband number five. Brilliant. Kind hearted, but tortured Harry Cameron. Oh, secretly, all of the loves of our lives. Yeah. Brilliant, kind hearted, and tortured. <laughs> We're at, we're at the Oscars. Evelyn's finally like, yes, something's happening. It's Evelyn and Celia and oh, Ruby? Ruby. Ruby. They're all up for the same category. And I am loving Harry's little hype up for her. <laughs> he's just like, and especially for her and Celia. And he's like, she's like, she left me. He's like, you slept with someone. She's <laughs> like, for her. <laughs> And she's, he's like, oh, thank you. And she's like, why are you thanking me? And he's like, because I want you to be happy. And it appears I have to reward you for doing things in your own favour. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, I love them. Harry says to Evelyn, if she wins, a.k.a. Celia, which is a big if, and she comes to talk to you, I will hold you down and force you to listen and speak to her back. Just like, Yes repping the relationship I am here for and then thank you Harry thank you Harry also love Harry but like I'm like I feel like Harry's going to like pull open his like shirt like Superman it's just going to be like Tim Celia (laughs) because he is Henry fitting into place (laughs) is this so good because I just pictured it all happening (laughs) Tim Celia oh anyway Celia wins I'm fairly sure. Yeah, Celia no. wins. Yeah. No? No, Ruby wins. Because they're looking at each other and then neither of their names are called. But they don't care. And then they're like, let's go. Bathroom. <laughs> you want fuck? <laughs> let's go have it. Well, Evelyn goes in, bawling her eyes out. And then Celia's like, Evelyn. <laughs> and they're talking. And um, Evelyn goes to Celia, you shouldn't have left me. And Celia's like, you shouldn't have let me leave. <laughs> I'm like, no, you shouldn't have let her leave. But also I'm like, come on. Oh, You're a big girl. You made your own decisions. You did. But still get back um, together. <laughs> and they, they do. They uh, have a make-out session in a public bathroom. It's just like, whew, just same. Pent up. Oh, my God. It's it, Harry and Evelyn end up getting married so that they can have family and go about their little lives married but still seeing other people. And it turns out that those other people mm-hmm. are Celia and her husband. I was obsessed with this time period. That was my favourite bit when they were all four of them were together. It was when, and they lived down the road from each other and it was yes. beautiful. And they used to go on dinner dates and, oh, I just loved it. And, like, during this time as well, they talk about the Stonewall riots, which is basically the LGBTQ plus fighting for their basic human rights. 
I did love like they're all together in their apartment talking about Stonewall, what they should do, seeing if there's anything they should watching it on the news. And they have this moment where they they realize like if we go down there, all we do is attract attention away from the cause and it then becomes not about the rights of homosexuals, it becomes about these four Hollywood celebrities and what they're doing. Yeah. So they make the choice to use their wealth to fund things behind the scenes and to support charities and to do that type of activism because their platform will detract at that time in history. That is the best thing I've read. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is so, it wasn't the author going, oh, yes, I'm going to insert them into their situation because that wouldn't make sense for them. No. They've been, the four of them are in the closet. And then our lovely Celia in the next moment, she she wins an Oscar. That she does. And the before this moment, basically, they're having, they're not having an argument, but Evelyn's basically figuring out, okay, there's certain times when me and Celia are getting along very well. And it's the times where I'm a lesbian. And the times that I'm a straight woman or I'm bisexual, Celia hates me. And like, there's this quote that says, that seemed to be her pattern. I was a lesbian when she loved me and a straight woman when she hated me. Celia was putting her in these categories where like, you know, I don't know. It just was, it just was like, oh, ouch, ouch. Yeah. And because this is when you're starting to really see like, okay, yeah, Celia is not, not understanding that Evelyn likes men and women. No. Like, she, just, she just, yeah. I mean, I, I liked Evelyn a lot in this book I loved her I think I've made that very clear and I found her perspective something I could very much relate to the way she saw the world and the choices she made I understood a lot more than say I understood Celia's reactions so Mm. I was noticing a lot more things about Celia that I was like I get that you love her and I love that you love her but also, like, she's kind of a dick sometimes. Mm, <laughs> she I, is. And Evelyn is a dick, but she is she is a dick that knows she's a dick. She's aware of a dick. She's not pretending she's not a dick. Celia does this thing where she kind of pretends she's she's a saint and she's holier than thou. And it's kind of, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. She gets into this massive fight with Evelyn after that and says, you're afraid of who you are and you still don't have an Oscar. You are what you've always been, a pair of nice tits. Ooh. And it's like, <sighs> on one hand, the most intense fights I've ever gotten into in my life have been with my partner because he's my safe person. He's the person I feel like I can have those fights with and say the things that you would never say to anyone else because at the end of the day, we don't go to bed angry. So I know I can say it and we'll be okay. But also that's something malicious Mm. she's intending to hurt her with that that's crossing a line and as you said Brani I just sometimes with Celia with the way that she'd react to things I just couldn't get on board with it yeah I felt that too yeah Mm. basically Harry and Evelyn make the deal that they actually both they want a kid and they're like well why the fuck shouldn't we do this together um I don't really recall how they had the kid they, they must have fucked. They had I feel like they multiple fucked. times, yeah. Yeah, like cool. Times. It wasn't just once. <laughs> so they have a baby Connor, his little girl, and it's really cute. And they're, like, holding her. And they have this moment where Evelyn says, if there are all different types of soulmates, then you're mine. Mm. And Harry's like, I'm absolutely positive that I need you more than I've ever needed any other living soul. 
with the exception being Connor. And that's the joke they have. It's always the exception's Connor. Like, and just them together is just fantastic. Everything. But we go from the, again, we come back in this whiplash because you're having these beautiful moments with Evelyn and Harry and now their daughter. But then you've got Celia who like Mm. Evelyn spoke with Celia about the the plan to have a child, how they were going to do it and all of that. Celia again wants to put Evelyn in this box so Mm. she wants her to be a lesbian woman um, when she's not but she also she's like yeah you can have a baby but don't be don't act like a mum yeah and she's trying to prompt her to do this like really sexy movie with Don her abusive ex because she's like it'll get you back out in the film and you know you've got to show people that you're still the Evelyn they knew the sensual one and as much as I understand that logic which is logic that Evelyn's really used a lot in this book it's also I'm like the complexity around the reasons you're making that argument it's not authentic that you're looking out for her best interest mm-hmm. you're wanting her to be the person that you are mm. in love with and yeah. that's not a mum yeah no I felt that she meets with Don and they essentially have this discussion where he apologizes for being an abusive prick says he's now sober he's stopped drinking and she's basically like saying sorry doesn't excuse you for being an asshole, but they they basically come to an agreement to do this film together so it's meant to be really unhinged and edgy for the time and the director who's max gerard who did the boob out the water slow motion thing he goes i want to see like a really authentic sex scenes and at that time female orgasm on screen isn't really a thing so at the time the idea of filming a graphic sex scene with a woman orgasming and experiencing pleasure was just like oh my god so Evelyn felt really conflicted about doing it but she agreed to do it and then after she's shot it she went and asked Celia for permission to do what she'd already done see why that wouldn't really work and Celia goes thank you for asking but I'm not okay with it and she turns around and goes, I've already done it. And it obviously oh, becomes yeah. a hideous fight and Celia leaves. And then Evelyn says, in retrospect, I put her in a position continually to have to approve my choices at her own expense. Celia may have left me in a huff, but it was death by a thousand cuts. Which, mind you, was a Taylor Swift song. <gasps> oh, God. Then, then a sad part happens in the story. Good old John carks it. What was it? Was it heart attack? Yeah, mm. okay, yeah. like but it's in his 50s. 50s. Yeah. But Harry's yeah. not okay. Harry is beside himself. And at the funeral, Celia actually attends but doesn't talk to either Harry or Evelyn. And then little Connor kind of recognize her and she's like mom do I know her Mm. and Evelyn's just like oh my god yes yes you do and she's like from that movie that we watched and she's like oh and I think I can't think of the quote but it's like at that moment I realized that my family had fallen apart yeah I think it's at that point like it's real then for her yeah and then cut to Evelyn finally wins an Oscar but at the expense of losing Celia sorry it still gets to me and at this point, Evelyn's really struggling with keeping her career, keeping Celia. Obviously, she's lost one, but has really gained the other. Oh. And she's like, I lost a woman I loved because I cared about being famous as much as I cared about her. 
Oh, God. And one of her quotes is, when you end a marriage, you're supposed to lose sleep over it, aren't you? But I don't. I sleep free. And that quote was actually something that resonated a lot with me because a huge fear of mine growing up was actually making the wrong decision when it came to love because my parents are all have been married for over 25, over 30 years. My grandparents have all been married for over 50 years plus. My whole family, everyone's married, everyone. And they've all been together for many, many, many years. And so growing up, there was this expectation, even now that I'm with Aiden and now that we have a house, there's an expectation you get married, you have children. Whereas me and Aiden aren't on that path or we at least aren't on that path right now. And like, there's this expectation of like, you know, you've got to do things for the, for the norm. And that's like her quote being like, you know, you're supposed to lose sleep over ending a marriage because that's what norm people would expect you to do. But you know, some people just don't. And sometimes people don't do the norms. So yeah, I don't know. It just resonated with me a lot. I loved mm. it. So then we move on to husband number six, disappointing Max Gerard. I definitely at first thought Max might be a good fit. Alas, he was not. And that's why I was like, Colin, why did I forget that this is the man that directed the film where she did the thing that she lost Celia in? Mm. Why did you think that was going to be the good foundation? And she literally leaves Harry, well, the fake marriage with Harry for him. Again, a lot of this book, I, I forgot that we were talking about Monique as well until you'd be like, oh, yeah, we're back with Monique again. Yeah. Um, I'd be so captivated in Evelyn's story. But there was this moment where Evelyn is telling Monique um, about divorce and at the same time Monique is getting divorced. So it's very much affecting Monique at the same time. There was a really good quote in that bit where Monique finally finds her feet. So she confronts her ex-husband and says, you know what, this isn't for me. And she goes, why until this moment did I not realise that the issue is my own confidence, that the root of most of my problems is that I need to be secure enough in who I am to tell anyone who doesn't like it to go fuck themselves. Why have I spent so long settling for less when I know damn well that the world expects more? Oh, I just like the lessons she's learning from Evelyn. Yeah. Hearing this strong woman's story and being like, you know what, I'm going to channel that in my life and I'm going to get confidence and I am going to change the things that I am not happy with. Yes. Then Max becomes a fucking prick and we should, I don't know why we're surprised. We find out he really actually, he liked the idea of Evelyn, didn't actually like Evelyn. It took me four months to realize that Max had no intention of even trying to love me, that he was only capable of loving the idea of me. Eek. Big eek. Eek. Yeah, no. And then <laughs> Celia wins another award. And in her little speech, she says, And to whoever kisses the TV tonight, don't chip a tooth. And, like, they haven't spoken in, like, you know, and, oh, she reached out. So Celia and Evelyn, I almost forgot, forgot her name for a second. That would have been bad. Um, they just, <laughs> Evelyn decides to reach out and write Celia a letter because she's not confident enough to give her a call. Plus, I don't actually think she answers for a hot minute. And she writes, they write each other letters and she's just like, hey, just... Just popping in, seeing how you're doing. Also, please, I love you. 
Sorry, she's really cute. And she's like, I want to call you. She's like, no, I can't talk to you. I want to see you. No, 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 I'm not ready. I still kind of hate you, but I don't. And then they do. They meet. Oh, my God, and the quote. Oh, the quote says, there is no she but you. They're like, yes, we're going to make it work. But you know what? Um, Sad note, my health is declining. I am dying. Emphysema, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, she's got emphysema. It's a hot minute. We're crying, but it's okay. We're crying. (laughs) I'm laughing right now. And then... Evelyn goes back to Celia's house. She's never been there before, but she says, we're home. Oh, we are home. They talk about going to live in Spain together and taking the daughter and taking Harry. And Harry's like, I have a job. Oh, also, <laughs> I have a we find out find as well that Harry actually has a lover too and someone mm. that has started to tickle his fancy after John and he was so broken after John. And um, just when they're talking about figuring it out. Yeah, so, yeah, everything's figuring out. Psych, not Harry's in a car accident. He did. Also kind of predicted this. <clears throat> so Harry has a car accident. So he was actually drink driving and he had his lover in the passenger seat and they crashed into a tree and the other passenger did not make it. And she pulls Harry out of the car and the driver that is in her car, she they actually get out of the car and they drag the passenger over to the driver's side so it looks like he was driving the car and they take try to take Harry to the hospital. They remove Harry from the whole situation because they go, no one's seen him here. Yeah. It was so fucking sad. Evelyn says, I want you to stay, Harry. We need you, me and Connor. I grabbed his hand tighter. But if you have to, (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) I was so ready for this quote, Claire. And you just, what have you done? Georgia's ready. She's like, I'm ready for this emotional journey. And Claire's like, I ain't ready. Hold that thought. (laughs) Okay, let me start again. Okay. I want you to stay, Harry. We need you, me and Connor. I grabbed his hand tighter. But if you have to go, then go. Go if it hurts, go if it's time. Just go knowing you were loved, that I will never forget you, that you will live in everything Connor and I do. Go knowing I love you purely, Harry, that you were an amazing father. Go knowing I told you all my secrets because you were my best friend. I'm not dead. I'm dead. I'm actually dead. Connor doesn't really cope with the death of a dad. Fair. Goes a bit off the rails. Becomes a bit of a druggie. Um, It's a threesome at 14. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. That's a whole lot. Then the we time. jump on to um, husband number seven. Celia's mother. Oh, yeah. And they're in Spain. Yes. So in? Evelyn has to come clean to Connor to tell her about Celia eventually because we're moving to Spain. I'm marrying her brother. But I'm not actually marrying her brother because I'm in love with her brother. I'm marrying him because I'm in love with her and the world can't accept us and we're just moving, okay? 
and you're off the rails. So we need to do something about this. You don't have dinner with me every night. This is happening. You're going to therapy. And then the quote that killed me was I hugged her and kissed the top of her head. And just when I was going to let go, she wrapped her arms around me and hugged me back. And she had that moment and then she came back to her. Only for her to die. Oh, God. Well, they're in Spain, they have six great years in Spain. And, you know, at one stage, like Celia is slowly getting sicker and sicker. Connor is really looking up to Celia's brother and is really bonding and is that's helping her actually recover from her issues. But Celia and Evelyn go, why don't we get married? I mean, we've never, never done it. What's stopping us? And they get, they just stand up, you know, and they're like in like their Coca-Cola t-shirt and they're just like, well, I, um, I take you, do you take me? And like, it's like this really funny moment where they marry each other and they use like a hair tie as the ring. But there's this quote where it's, um, I have been married seven times and never once has it felt half as right as this. I think that loving you has been the truest thing about me. Mm. <sighs> and then Celia dies in Evelyn's arms. <laughs> Just stop that bubble that you were uh, blowing up there. What it's like day? feelings, love, emotions, happiness, death. Yes. Oh, my but gosh. There's this moment where, like, so Celia dies in Evelyn's arms and obviously she's not taking it well. As they're taking Celia's bodies away, she is like a mess. She falls to the ground and is sobbing. The quote is, Robert did not help me up. He got on the floor next to me and wept. Oh, my gosh. And then the fucking quote. <gasps> oh, I had lost her. My love, my Celia, my soulmate. The woman whose love I'd spent my life earning simply gone, irrevocably and forever. And the devastating luxury of panic overtook me again. There it is. We go on from that and Robert ends up being a incredible father figure to connor until he dies at like the good old age of 81 like he lived does a solid trek at least he had a good innings and then just to you know really pop it off <laughs> oh get to 39 39 and there's a quote which got me even more i told her every single day that her life had been the world's greatest gift to me that i believed i was put on earth not to make movies or wear emerald green gowns and waved at crowds but to be her mother oh my heart god she's broken me <laughs> he is yeah. yeah i was sobbing um the bit that killed me I held her when she puked from the chemo. I wrapped her in blankets when she was so cold she was crying. I kissed her forehead like she was my baby again because she was my forever baby. <laughs> because they are your forever babies. This is fine. This is great. This is fine. Pain is just completely manageable. Mm-hmm. And then just to... <laughs> Get absolutely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> she made it 18 months before she passed away. And when they put her in the ground next to her father, I broke like I have never broken before. And the devastating luxury of panic overtook me and it has never left. Oh, and so as we're going through and we're just like, Jesus Christ, we've just read that. How can we, how can we recover? And 
then we get more <laughs> and everyone's like you know i've been saying you're gonna hate me this whole time surprise <laughs> you hate me <laughs> surprise you know how your dad you thought he was a drunk driver and that's why he died plot twist he was fucking harry and i put him in the driver's seat yeah oh when i tell you that i th- i literally was like what i mean at, towards the end i was like I could kind of see, I was like, something, it's got to be something to do with her dad. I thought maybe, yeah. Evelyn, I was like, maybe Evelyn had something to do with her dad. Like, I don't, uh, as soon as I saw this, I was like, well, what the actual fucking fuck is going on? We find out that um, not only, obviously, the most obvious thing is that her father was in love with a man and was cheating on her mother, my next mother. He left her a letter. Well, he left Harry a letter, which Evelyn took and has now given to Monique. And the letter basically describes that no matter how much Monique's father loved Harry, he loves his family more and he cannot do anything to sacrifice his family, so he's going to leave Harry to stay with them. (laughs) But then he dies and he can't. Oh, it's just a little too late. (laughs) Shot through. Uh, it's at this moment that Monique goes, Hold on, what's happening here? And Evelyn goes, Evelyn's like, Well, turns out I've got breast cancer now. And we're like, Oh dear. And Monique goes, Hmm, Evelyn's not the type to just drop that in there. Like she's just casually dealing with things. Mm. And then we realize Evelyn is extremely pro-choice <laughs> jesus dear god <laughs> god damn it brady and monique's just like it ain't a little too it ain't too long ain't too late <laughs> uh evelyn trusts me with her story evelyn trusts me with her death and in my heart i believe it would be a betrayal to stop her because she figures out she's like she's gonna kill herself she lets it happen and she ends up that night her, her and her mum watch one of evelyn's films and she falls asleep listening to evelyn's voice and in the morning evelyn is dead she has this quote as well. They do this little photo shoot where she says her dress is low cut, revealing her still ample cleavage. And it occurs to me the very thing that made her will be the very thing to finally take her down. Yes. Fuck. Oh my God, I just got that. <laughs> the titties. Yeah, but I was like, oh, yeah, tits out. You know where it's not the whole breast cancer thing. <laughs> She died because she was a slut. She's a naughty girl. <laughs> <laughs> Bad habit. Bad habit. Drugs. Drugs. Oh, my God. I can't say I thought we were making a, a Summer Heights High reference. Literally. This podcast, I think we are. Oh, my God. I definitely did have, like, this theory throughout the book that Evelyn was dying. I mean, granted, I did think yeah. she was a murderer as well for a solid <laughs> half of the book. Yeah. But the 
picture being painted of this actress who never does interviews and then she's suddenly doing an interview to tell her life story. And I was like, you're dying. Fishy. But I did think they handled the issue of uh, assisted dying, choosing when you die, that I thought it was handled very well. It made complete concepts to the character arc. I was happy with the choice. Yeah, yeah. And after Evelyn dies, Monique ends up asking her mother about the relationship that she had with her father. Basically, her mother ends up telling her that it wasn't passionate, but they just liked each other a lot and they were like best friends. And it just gave me Harry and Evelyn vibes. It made me warm and fuzzy. And there's this quote that Monique says towards the end of the book that is, maybe one day I'll find someone I love the way Evelyn loves Celia. Or maybe I might just find someone I love the way my parents loved each other. Knowing to look for it, knowing there are all different types of great loves out there is enough for me for now. And I love that. That is such a beautiful quote. I think I will literally take that quote to the fucking grave with me. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is. Monique puts out Evelyn's story and we get the teaser of the, the article for the upcoming book where she basically goes, what Evelyn would like you to know is that she was a bisexual woman, that she loved Celia, and she spent her whole life loving Celia, having to hide it, and but she knew how important visibility was. And it's like, that's the whole testament of this book. Mm. Visibility mm. is so important. She loved Cecilia. She was a bisexual woman. And it was just like, yes, the story is out. And I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was such a good book. It was a very good book. Thank you, Ellie. Go on, Ellie. And now your favourite <laughs> moment, T-Swift. Are you ready for it? A little bit it? of a twist. Are you ready for it? Two, two. Are you ready for it? Sorry. Yeah. Now, twist on what I normally do. I normally give you a song. Today I'm giving you a letter. So when Tay-Tay released the Reputation album, she had a little letter that went with it. I shall read you a snippet. When this album comes out, Gossip blogs will scour the lyrics for the men they can attribute each to each song as if the inspiration for music is as simple as a paternity test. There will be slideshows of photos backing up each incorrect theory because it's 2017 and if you didn't see a picture of it, it couldn't have happened, right? Let me say it again for those in the back. We think we know someone, but the truth is that we only know the version of them that they have chosen to show us. Oh, that's beautiful. That is the book. Yes. That literally is the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you do want a Taylor Swift song reference, check out Peace. I won't give you any lyrics, but there you go. Love your work, babe. I did find some fan art. There's not a lot out there, and I'm not going to lie, a lot of it is very similar, but I did find some goodies. I will sh- give a shout out in particular to, I think I spelled it wrong, it's like Shiro Gussy. <laughs> And it's the, one of the only fan arts where she actually looks like a woman of colour. A lot of it, I mean, I know she is a biracial gal, but a lot of the fan art is she does look a lot more white and I understand that she was passing and that was part of the reason that she could, you know, we had this whole moment where they tried to hide her colour. Some of the other art is there's Barb.Arts and she's done one of Evelyn and one of Celia that I think is beautiful. 
and then there's Sunshine Art 29 and Arda.Arts. They've done very similar styles, but um, Sunshine Art 29 has done one of Evelyn looking at the TV when she's about to chip her tooth. Oh, I love it so much. Well, that's, that's about it. Yeah, thank you so much, Ellie, for recommending this fucking book. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Such a winner. Yeah. Our next episode is going to be something a little bit different. We are introducing a new thing that will reappear. So if you have books that you would like us to read, now is definitely the time to send us your messages, your ideas of books, because we're going to be talking about a lot of books and we're going to give you some snippets of what we're going to be doing from here on out. So stay tuned. It's going to be slightly different, but I promise it'll still be chaotic. Yes, as always. Like, follow, subscribe. All those. What, are, what, did, the you, what did the youth say? <laughs> what did you say? Like, comment, subscribe. Leave a comment down below, but don't be mean because I'll delete it. Find us, on <coughs> the, find us on TikTok. If you want to watch the video, it's on YouTube. And that's yeah. it. That's it. Thank you so very much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>